I was asked to introduce Mr. Carey. If you really think about it, I'm fourth string. We have three ministers that are out of town, and so you got me. So I'm not going to dwell on that very much. But I did want to <laughs> I want to clarify my statement, Kerry. We're real glad that Kerry's here. We, we've asked him to speak to us. We're, we're anxious to hear him. Uh, of course, you know that he and his family have been out at Southwest School of Preaching for several years. Uh, answer of prayer, they've returned to us. They've already engaged themselves in several works. You'll note that, uh, and I just mentioned Sharon is out of town right now with her, uh, her mother. And uh, Carrie, in fact, is going to be going out there to be with them tomorrow and maybe gone Sunday too, yeah. perhaps. Okay, well, I, I, again, I don't want to take any more time away from Carrie, but I do want to let's open uh, our session with prayer. And if you don't mind bowing with me, please. Just a moment. Okay, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we can come together as a family to assemble, to study from your word. We're thankful, Father, for the abilities of many in this congregation that can so ably present your word to us in a clear and effective and loving fashion. We're thankful, Father, for the dedication that Carrie and his family have put into learning how to better present your word to others, Father, and to let it dwell within their hearts more, more richly. Father, we look forward to benefiting uh, from, from uh, uh, the word that's presented tonight. We pray, Father, that we wouldn't let the fatigue of the day settle in, but we would remain sharp and focused, Father, as we, as we dwell on your word together. We pray for those who can't be here for reasons of illness tonight, Father, of your number. We pray that you comfort them first, but also we pray that you would uh, allow them a measure of restored health, if it's your will. We pray all these things, Father, in thy Son's name. Amen. Thank you. Well, if you would, please open up your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 4 is what we'll, where we'll be studying tonight. You know, over at Southwest, over at the school, in the preaching classes, they teach the preachers that you're not supposed to get up and spend a lot of time saying thank you and expressing appreciation when you get up to speak because the message is what you want to get out. And that makes sense because it's the message that's important. But I feel like before I do get into the lesson tonight, I want to take just a few minutes on behalf of my family and say thank you to this congregation at Graber Road for all of the support and all of the prayers and all of the encouragement that you gave to me and my family in these last two years when we were living in Austin and going through that work. You know, I'm sure that you don't know but there were a few times when we were able to come here and come home and worship with you. And those few times that we were able to worship with you, we left more encouraged and more resolved on our way home and our way back to Austin. And as we were wrapping things up over there in Austin, we 
were comforted and we had a peace of and we had peace of mind knowing that there is a congregation like Graber Road that we could go home to a, a congregation that loves the Lord a congregation that's busy about serving him and taking care of his business because that's what Sharon and I that's what we want to do with our life that's what we think that that God wants us to do, not just us, but I think Daniel and Nathan, our entire family, thinks we need to be about God's business. And so tonight, that's why I want to I want to bring to you a lesson about Christian stewardship. And in our lesson tonight, we're going to look and we're going to see what God has in expectation. For his people. God has expectations for us to be about his business, and we'll see that. And then, if there's any confusion about exactly what stewardship is, I hope to, to clarify that. And then finally, we'll end up looking at what Paul says about his stewardship in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, because Paul has some very good insight into the master-steward relationship that we all have. So, brethren, when you open your Bibles, I know I told you to open to 1 Thessalonians. You may want to put a marker there, because it's going to be a while before we get there, but we'll eventually get there. But, brethren, let's look at the expectations that God has for His people. I think it's clear when you look at the Bible that God does have expectations for His people to be about His business. When you look at the very beginning of the Bible, in the very first book of the Bible, in the very first chapter of God's Word, you see that God is involved in creation. And you see the creation of the universe. And you see in that, inside that creation that God created the male and female. And when you step over into chapter 2 of Genesis, you see the details of that creation. And immediately, as soon as God creates man, He begins filling man's needs. In chapter 2, verse 16, God gives man a law. You can eat of anything in the garden, just don't eat of that tree in the midst of the garden. In verse 19, he gives man his very own personal name, Adam. And in verse 22, after God has looked at everything and he sees that things aren't quite perfect, he brings woman to man. And he gives man that wonderful institution of marriage between one man and one woman. And he gives man his family. But I don't think it's a small coincidence that if you look in Genesis chapter 2, before God gives man a law, before He gives him his name, before He gives him his family, in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, God gives man a job. It says that God formed man and He planted a, a, a garden in east of Eden, and he took man and he put man in his garden to tend his garden. 
And I don't think that it's any small coincidence, and I know that God uses order to give emphasis on His Word, and I think there's an important reason why God put the job first. Especially when you flip all the way to the very end of the Bible. When you look at the very end of the Bible, in the very last chapter of the very last book of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 3, after the curse has been done away, we read, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. Brethren, these servants here are the ones who've had their robes washed white in the blood of the Lamb. Revelation chapter 7, verse 15. Brethren, these servants are God's people who came through the tribulation of this present day. And so, I don't think it's any small coincidence that in the very beginning you have God's people serving Him, and in the very end of the Bible you have God's people serving Him. In fact, I think these serve these two events serve as bookends on the entire existence of man. And everything between these two events, between these bookends, indicate that God wants His people to be about serving Him. Now we all understand that Christians are supposed to be about serving God. But this actually indicates to me that this doesn't just apply to Christians. This applies to every man that has ever been blessed by God. Now, before we get into our lesson, I want to take a side note. Because I think it's important that we clear up some understand, misunderstanding, if it's there, about exactly what stewardship is. You see, a lot of times we think that stewardship is about managing the things that we have, the wealth that we have, and trying to maximize the benefit of those things that we have for, for God. But we need to be careful and we need to understand that stewardship is not about the things, the material things that we have. You see, that's because we didn't have anything to begin with. Job in chapter 1, verse 21, said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will return there. The Lord has given to me, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of our Lord. In these two events, the birth and the death of Job, on each side of those events, Job had nothing. The only time he experienced having possessions was during between these two events when God gave it to him and when God took it away. And the psalmist, the inspired psalmist, in the 50th Psalm, he wrote where God said, For the world is mine and all it contains. So brethren, let's not think about stewardship as managing those things, that wealth that we have, because it's all been given to us. And I think we all understand this. Do any of you have a company car? 
Maybe you've got a company phone where you say, hey, give me a call, or you've got a a computer on your desk that the company gives to you, and when it breaks down, what do you do? You call IT and you say, hey, my computer's broke. The teachers in the audience, you've got a classroom that that they gave to you, and if something goes wrong, you call call somebody and say, hey, my classroom has a problem. Please come and, and fix whatever it is in my classroom. But brethren, we understand that our employers aren't giving those things to us as a reward for what we've done. They give those things to us because those things are what we need to do the task that they have given to us. And brethren, it's the same way with the things that we have in this earth. In Matthew chapter 6, in verse 31... Our Lord explained it this way. In verse 31, uh uh-oh, I missed it. In verse 31 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. God knows that we need security. He knows that we need provision. He knows that we need shelter. And He knows that we need a family in order to be about His business. And so the things that He gives to us are there so that we can accomplish what He wants us to do. He knows we have need of all this. And so He provides it to us so that we can accomplish His business and so that we can seek His first, His kingdom first, and serve Him. So now, in the time that we have left, let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And there we're going to see how Paul talks what Paul said about his stewardship and and what we can learn from his relationship with God. In verse 1 through 3 of chapter 2, Paul explains to us his behavior when he came to Thessalonica. They didn't come to Thessalonica in vain, verse 1. And after they'd been terribly treated, In Philippi, Acts chapter 16, he said that when they came to Thessalonica, they were still bold in our God to speak to you the the gospel of our God, even knowing that much conflict was coming. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 17. And as so many do, as so many who come in the name of religion and try to deceive the religious with trickery and uncleanness and deceit. Paul says he didn't come to Thessalonica that way in verse 3. In verse 4, Paul came to Thessalonica as a steward of God. And it's in verse 4 that we read, But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. 
Now, I know I just read that, brethren, but I want to read that again because I want us to get the feeling of what Paul is saying here, and it's pretty involved. In verse 4, But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our heart. In this passage, Paul starts off by saying that he was approved by God. And when he says this, you might think that Paul has God's seal of approval as the steward of God. And that's right. But brethren, this statement, approved by God, in the English language, does not really clearly convey the meaning of what Paul is saying here. And when you look into the Word and you open the Word here and you see there are many more senses, there's many more uses of this Word. And when you open this Word up, you see that the approval is only the last step of the process. In this sense, before God gives His approval to His stewards, as He has here, the idea is, when you look at the Word, that God has examined the person, and God has tested the person, and God has verified that the person is qualified and is ready and is able to to do the task that he's been given. Now, we understand this process and we understand this word, I think, because we read this word often on Sunday morning in our communion service. If you look at 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you'll see this word used again. And I think you know the text in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Anything come to mind? In verse 27, Paul writes to the Corinthians, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And there's that word. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the body of the Lord. When Paul here says that let a man examine himself, he's telling us that we need to be our own personal critics that we need to test ourselves and we need to examine ourselves and we need to verify that our state of mind, that our personal feelings, and that our motives are in the right place. And after we've confirmed that and after we've done that, then what do we do, brethren? Then after we've gone through that process, we approve ourselves to be worthy partake and share in the communion of the body and the blood. And so it's in this sense that the phrase that Paul uses this word in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 to say that he's been approved by God. And brethren, so the beauty of this word that Paul uses is that it means 
We are qualified. We're, we have gone through a process and God has vetted us and we are qualified to be about His affairs and the task that He gives to us. And that would be enough to expose the beauty of stewardship and to encourage us to know that when God makes us a steward, that we are qualified for that. But there's an important characteristic that Paul talks about here in 1 Thessalonians that we also need to look at, and that is the idea, the object of the stewardship. In verse 2, we read that Paul was, in verse 4, sorry, in verse 4, we read that Paul was approved to be entrusted with the gospel. Paul and his companions were giving, were given oversight and control of the gospel of God. And it's the gospel, Romans 1, chapter 16, that is the power of God to save men. And brethren, there is no other way for men to be saved now. And, but, but brethren, when God put Paul in charge of spreading the gospel and delivering the gospel to men, God put Paul in charge of one of his very own responsibilities, one of his duties. You see, the gospel was in the mind of God, mind of God to begin with, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3. And it was God's responsibility to reveal that gospel to men and for that gospel to be spread out so that men could receive that. And when the master approves the steward, he trusts him with his own precious affairs. You remember the story of Joseph? How in Genesis he was sold into slavery by his brothers and he had all that trouble with Potiphar and his wife and ended up in prison. And ultimately, we read about Joseph's life In Genesis chapter 41, beginning in verse 39, the Bible says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set over, I have set you over all of the land. Pharaoh entrusted his house. Pharaoh entrusted his people. Pharaoh entrusted his nation to Joseph. But brethren, the responsibility for managing the house and the people and the nation of Egypt, that fell on Pharaoh. That was Pharaoh's responsibility. That was his own personal affair that he was responsible for. But because he had this relationship where he knew Joseph, where he trusted Joseph, where he had vetted Joseph, and he had confidence that Joseph could succeed, he turned over all of these precious affairs to Joseph. 
Now, brethren, I remember when I was given stewardship and when I brought my babies home from the hospital. And if you're, if you're a parent, you probably remember that too. I know when we brought our babies home, we lived and died for our babies. When our babies squalled, we were there. And when our babies were up in the middle of the night, we were up with them. Well, Sharon was up with them. I, <laughs> kind of a slip there. Sharon was up with them. But she, she had her off time. And I had my time with our babies too. And brethren, we were on our knees for our babies. And we fed our babies. And you know what? Think about it. We never left our babies unprotected. We never left them alone. But eventually, you know what happened? I don't know if it happened with you, but it happened with us. The baby won. He won, and we needed a break. Babies are nice. Babies are wonderful. I like babies. But eventually, babies are too much, and we needed a break. And you know what we did? We got on the phone with some of our friends, and we found a reliable babysitter, and we stocked the refrigerator, we made some notes, we got ourselves all dressed up, and when that doorbell rang, here comes the baby, here comes the notes, you can have anything you want in that refrigerator, and we'll be home around 10.30 or 11. Brethren, that's how it is with the things that are important to you. You don't leave them alone. You hire a steward. You hire someone to watch after that when you can't be there. And that's how it is with God's affairs. We have two doctrines that are important to us. They were really important to us when we lived overseas and when you'd come home after being in a foreign environment and you come home, and there they were. And it was kind of like having a little bit of Americana in our house. Okay? But brethren, when we leave our house now, we don't hire a babysitter to watch after those dachshunds. We make sure there's water in the dog dish. We make sure that the dog door's open. We lock up the house, and we're gone. And that's how it is with with the affairs of God. So keep in mind, keep in mind that the stewardships that you have, the relationships that you have with your spouses and your children and your parents, the job that you may have, the responsibilities that you have, God has given them to you because they're not a unimportant they're not frivolous. God does not put stewards over His affairs unless there's something that's important to Him and something that's precious to Him. Now you may say, but I can do this with my hands tied behind my back or I can do this with my eyes closed. Right? Well, brethren, just because it's easy doesn't mean it's important. It's easy because you got good at what you're doing. And you know what happens when you get good at what you're doing? You're usually given more, right? Right. So we need to be prepared to be entrusted with the precious affairs of God and take care of His business. And so finally, brethren, back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I want to look at the final lesson that we can learn from this 
passage in verse 4. You see, after Paul tells the Thessalonians that he's been approved, and after he tells them that he's been entrusted with the precious gospel, the gospel of God, he goes on to say in verse 4, Therefore, or even so, we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our heart. In verse 2, Paul says that he was spitefully treated in Philippi. And he was. You can read about that in Acts chapter 16. He was subjected to, to beatings and false imprisonment. And all of that wrongly because he was a Roman citizen and he should not have been subjected to those beatings. And if you look back even further, in his first missionary journey, in Iconium, he had to leave town because the Jews there that didn't like what he was doing, they took up stones to stone him. And the next town in Lystra, Paul was actually stoned and left for dead. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he gives us an account of beatings, of shipwreck, of being hungry and thirsting. And he gives us the account that he's got the daily worry for the church on top of all of that. And my question is, how could Paul continue to do this? How could Paul face so much opposition, so much persecution from the Jews on one hand and from the pagans on the other hand? And I think he gives us the answer here when he says, even so we speak, not as pleasing God, but men. I'm sorry, not as pleasing men, but God. Right? Paul didn't have to worry about pleasing me. Paul didn't have to worry about pleasing brethren who want to introduce false doctrine into the church. And that's the beauty of the steward. The steward does not answer to anybody except the master. You remember in Matthew chapter 25? You remember how there were the three stewards and one of them was unfaithful and the other two were faithful? And you recall, they didn't answer to each other. It was the master who either cursed them or bless them. And brethren, it's the same way with us. In James Piffner's book, The Managerial President, Mr. Piffner talks about how U.S. presidents manage the White House, how U.S. presidents manage the cabinet, the Department of Defense, the Department of Secretary, I mean the Department of State, the Department of Justice. And when he talks about that, he talks about John Sununu, who was the chief of staff of President George H.W. Bush. And when he talks about John Sununu, he talks about how Mr. Sununu was often accused of being heavy-handed, of being a tough guy, of being, of almost being a bully. And he was called the, he was referred to as being the enforcer. He was the enforcer of President Bush's tough decisions. And Mr. Peffner goes on to say that Mr. Sununu, he answered his critics. 
by saying that he had a constituency of one, and that was the President of the United States. When these congressmen came up to try to get into the President's office, and they ran into the Bulldog Sununu, they had to go back and they had to answer to their constituency in their district. When the senators came up and they tried to get access to the president, they had to go back and answer to the constituents in their state. Mr. Sununu, he didn't have to worry about their feelings because he only had to make sure that he made his constituency happy, and that was the president of the United States. Now, brethren, as stewards of God, we don't want to be heavy-handed. We don't want to be unfeeling. We want to care about the people around us. In fact, our Lord cared so much that while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for us. God loved the world so much that He gave His Son for us. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul said that if it offended his brother, he would never eat meat again. We as stewards of God, we need to be concerned about those around us. But brethren, when we were, when we were involved in baseball, and on Wednesday night we had an early game, and we couldn't get to that game because our Lord told us not to forsake the assembling, but when these doors were open, we should be there and we should have our children there. We had our children there. And Nathan, being the best pitcher that the coach had, he didn't appreciate that. He didn't like that. But brethren, I couldn't help that. I don't answer to that man. I answer to my constituency. I have a constituency of one, just like you, and that's our God. And you know what? Our Lord, He will never, He will never fault His stewards for doing His will, no matter how much criticism the world may heap on us. So brethren, I hope that this lesson has helped you tonight. Tonight, we've tried to see just what God expects from His creation. And He's put a bookmark on each end of the existence of creation that indicates to us that He expects His people to be about His business. And we need to be careful and not think about the things we have as being stewardship. Our stewardship is about managing the affairs of God. And when we seek first the kingdom of God, He'll take care of all of that. He knows that we have needs in order to be about His business, just like our employers know that. And brethren, when we've gone through that approval process and we've been tested and verified, God is certain that we're qualified. We're able to do those tasks that He gives to us. And so He entrusts us with a stewardship. Not with something that's unimportant. Not with something that's frivolous. But only those things that are important and precious to Him. And when it's all said and done, brethren, we don't answer to anybody but to our God.
You know, if you could meditate on one thing tonight, I would say meditate on our Lord's words in Matthew chapter 6, 31, 32, and 33, where he said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, they'll be added to you. They'll be taken care of. Thank you.